Hey everyone, I just wanted to preface this episode with Charlie from Gembot.io. Charlie was relentless with his uh, short on snow, ticker S-N-O-W. He called it out perfectly and I I wanted to acknowledge him about that and a few of the other short positions that he had initiated. They played out perfectly. And this shows his relentlessness because his stops had triggered a few times uh, even after we had discussed this uh, trade and and his ideas uh, going forward. Uh, So, you know, I want to give you your credit, Charlie, and I want to, you know, introduce how these things played out. Um, I hope you all enjoy the episode. Thank you. We're back from a hiatus of trade talk. L.A. Aiko here, and we have Charlie back from Gembot. Io, I am so happy to have him. We always know we have great conversations when we get onto this platform and we have very, you know, just eclectic and, and very specific dialogue about how two institutional minds are thinking and how we tend to play our book as well as look for new opportunities. Um, February has been a most intriguing month where we went from people feeling rate hikes were coming right around the corner, especially Charlie is, is a big proponent in push, uh, pushing a 50 basis point um, rate hike all the way to now we're in potentially World War III. Uh, I have so many, I wouldn't even say mixed emotions about what's going on because I just think this is part of capitalism, though many people do not like the concept of disaster capitalism. But again, as it's always shown, whether it be with profiteering from war or people who make money because they're on the short side of September 11th, the, uh, the contrarian points to very uh, drastic events is usually very lucrative for people. And as Charlie and I are, are people who are, are very analytical, we more so see it as that. So in this conversation, we don't take uh, anything in the Ukraine and Russia uh, to be lightly, but we are also just looking at it from an analytical perspective as to, you know, just what makes sense, because that is, those are the kind of minds we are. But Charlie, thank you for coming by again. It's happy, uh, it's a happy new year for one, because you haven't been on here since last year, and it's just uh, exciting to just have you back. How's it going? Yeah, thanks, Al. No, uh, great to be back on the, uh, on the pod and uh, talking about these exciting times in markets, you know, like, who would have thought that you would, uh, uh, between 2020 and 2022, not even the end of Q1, uh, see a global pandemic, uh, a, stock market cra- a stock market crash, um, uh, and, you know, uh, potentially now an invasion and a war. And, of course, um, really loose monetary policy, like historical, uh, loose, historically loose monetary policy, and now uh, inflation that we've not seen since the 70s. Right, right. Um, just, just a all, wild all, pendulum all compressed, swing. All compressed within 24 months, pretty much. So, you know, um, yeah. Uh, the, and, and this is important for people to really um, kind of consider when they're looking at their, um, their portfolios and their wealth and how they run their assets is, you know, what consequences of this kind of action, you know, are there and, and, and what actions may one wants to take obviously we're not giving financial advice we're just thinking about 
you know, our perspective and how we would consider re or how we are actually reacting in this. So it's more of a play by play of how we're seeing it and how we're reacting to it. And, you know, it's, it's not a straightforward thing. Um, and, um, you know, no one's going to get it perfect, but you've got to think about, you know, your insurance in this kind of market. Yeah, I, I would say that there, no one's going to get it right, like perfectly right, but there are building blocks and factors to how this whole thing just looks, right? And, and I want to lay that out for the audience. And, and this is what, this is how I view it. Uh, the building blocks are this. A, anyone who was listening to the podcast last year, especially with episodes from Charlie and I, myself from, um, from uh, emerging markets into what are, what the U.S. debt markets and treasuries are, this is the landscape. You have an interesting issue as I've repeated, uh, this is a, a, this is repeating from the prior episode, two year and under treasuries, which is money markets and two year, uh, uh, two year treasuries are in a particular situation where they're trying, they were trying to go negative till the Fed stepped in to push them back to positive. Uh, you have 10 year treasuries that have, uh, that are ever increasing, um, in yields, meaning the prices uh, are going down for the yields to come up. People in the equity markets with big money, that liquidity out there are looking for safe places to put the money. And I, I want to say this because when you look at the lay of the land to figure out what, you, what should be going on, you have to pay attention to the fact that the money has to go somewhere. And the federal monetary policy is set up in such a way that it can only like uh, uh, smart money can only go in so many ways. So to, to, to make the long short of it is that matter, the, the maturities of treasuries matter to what institutions are going to buy to safe haven their money. And you get a situation where we already have coming out of a fire, which was the pandemic you have, let's say, a, a light flame going on and all you needed was an accelerant. The accelerant is what you couldn't determine, which is this uh, outbreak of war, but there was always a likelihood something could happen to accelerate it. Before in the US it would be, oh, rates might be raised or what's the Fed gonna say? And in this case, you have a situation where it's something you can't control, you couldn't predict, but if you were paying attention to what Charlie and I were saying, you were already ready as in our firm, the book was already 70% short, 30% long. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, you know, you, you, it gets you to a point of saying, all right, there's this volatility that's out here. Um, a really good thing that I saw in Charlie's portfolio, as we've been talking about, and he recommended it to me is uh, the company Snowflake, but I know you have a bunch more, Charlie, and you can speak about them, uh, but it's this volatility that like you'll have a position, you'll initiate a position, you'll be spot on, you'll make all your money on it only for it to reverse course sometimes within a trading session or the next day and uh, get back those gains, you know, you know, take back those gains that you just made. And it goes to show you yep. like one of the things to be excited about right now is volatility. In my opinion, I don't know. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, you know, this is a this is a market that's whip soaring, but with um with lower highs and lower lows every time. So you know, like you say, if 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 you were to, um, if you were to have no risk management right now, and you would have gone short when we went short, you know, you'd be up significantly. Um, 
but you know if you're using a systematic approach and you have um you know you have uh automated ways of doing things and keeping your risk management tight you know we've left probably 40 40 50 percent of the profit like on the table by uh you know getting out if there was any strength um and having to reposition um and you know it's got to a point now where obviously emerging markets uh tech and growth are actually kind of interesting uh but we still uh but there are areas and pockets of the market where none of this is really being none of this is understood and i think that there's a a misappreciation with um the full uh outcome of what is happening now and that we're very early on um but at the same time pockets of the market have seen most of the damage already yeah i i concur on that what i was you know just as i was laying the land to say hey this is what the economy looks like from the monetary standpoint that whipsawing is just a war of attrition as i said before the Fed's objective is to actually manipulate the economy. Um, it is not meant to manipulate for the good of, oh, this is the long side, good of the short side. It's to keep it within a stable range. It is these um, unexpected consequences that happen. You could never expect, so, and this is what I mean by unexpected consequences. It pertains to, you know, uh, 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 these, um, these plays Charlie was talking about. You set your position, you're looking for it, it whipsaws you back onto the one or two sessions after you set it. And it's simply only happening going back to that treasury issue I was talking about. You're trying, the Fed's trying to suppress, uh, sorry, not suppress, but it was originally trying to do QE to suppress the two-year treasury to make rates low so people could borrow, only for it to, get, to threaten going negative, to have to push it back up. Then you have an, an accelerant like uh, this Ukraine attack exploding the short-term um, the short-term treasuries to a high point where it is not viable for uh, institutions to get their hands on what they need. It becomes too expensive to either borrow or too expensive to easily roll your, uh, your money into these short-term treasuries and money markets. It, it, it's just playing out 100% as, as it should be. Uh, but, you know, it's that whipsawing, as you were saying, Charlie. That's how, that's how it's playing out from the lay of the land. That's how it's playing out from the equity side. And there, you do have to be careful. Um, it is not a situation of, of giving a clear example of what it is to do next, but it is to say to have a thesis about why you think and how you think of the market is the best way to go. And, and that's what has been keeping uh, Charlie and I with our head above water, because a lot of our contemporaries have been very long, uh, not to say that they're, they're wrong to be long, but it has proven itself to be when you are short the market in this particular um, economic cycle, your shorts hit far stronger than the longs because, hey, Charlie, as from, from what we've been seeing, all our other friends who've been long, as the market has, 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 has like floated itself down from that war of attrition going down slowly and slowly and breaking supports what do we continually see um the shorts are willing to put more pressure on just to see if there's more liquidity at lower levels uh, you know that's what i've been yeah yep. yeah that's uh that's absolutely so, the case you know and yeah 
No, no, I was just going to ask you. So when, especially when it comes to like your snowflake position, your Tesla short position, you know, how are you managing to look at those names? Because, you know, these are, some of these names are darling names people like. And after we say them on this uh, episode, people are going to look into them. I can understand how you're looking at them, but if, can you explain that? For sure. I mean, the, the interesting thing, like was is is one of the latest shorts that I've I've done, and and Tesla is a short that I just got out of uh, the day before this trading day. So in the kind of manic of the day, uh, of the crazy day when uh, you know the uh, when uh, you, Russia started their tactical in, uh, attack, um, you know, and I got out of that short, for example, and I you know I hit six x on my option and I hit um, a decent uh, win with the equities with the actual equities that I'd shorted. Um, and that and that and that was quite nice. And but Tesla and Snowflake were the last ones in my mind. You know, previous to that, I shorted Lululemon on earnings. I shorted Roblox. I shorted um, Rivian, uh, the IPO ETF, Arc. You know, there were all these names that you know you could you you know it was free money. Um, and uh, but the, the interesting thing there is is we have a very tight risk management process. And like I said, we've only taken you know, a, a relatively small amount of profit from this. Uh, it's hedged us well, you know, we're very happy with it. We're up yet. Um, you know, 9% year to date. Um, uh, when uh, at some points. So, you know, we've given some of our, of our, of our profits. We've also. Strategically. So. We're actually buying names as well because you got to buy on these really bad days. You got to, you know, bite your lip and just and 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 buy. I would say that that that's a one area where uh, you and I we diverge, right? And and we have a few other friends who they're looking at these dips and they're buying them as soon as they can see them. I have been so cautious on buying them, and it, it's not to say who's right and who's wrong. Um, I continue to just look for, okay, where does the liquidity come back in? And, and, we, and you can see that, you know, that buying is there. Uh, but to, to use what I've been using all week, as, as I do sound like a broken record, but again, I didn't say this on the pod, uh, for, especially for those younger people who like the big short and those things, we speak about the scene where uh, Michael Baum found, finds out that Chase is $15 billion long in, in uh, AA mortgages and B mortgages with uh, them being inaccurately priced and evaluated on a rating system. All I'm saying is that I definitely see where you guys are going. The, what, what keeps me short and not buying as heavy, again, with that 70-30, is political mismanagement. And even with this attack on Ukraine, you know, the, the answer back is a bit weak. Just like, we, you, you know, you, were, you even said it to, earlier today, Charlie, uh, we should get, uh, Biden says we should get comfortable with $100 oil. You know, the, the sick part about that is that the, the Russians don't care that it's $100 because they always undercut the price anyway. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I like the fact that we have those two contrarian views because we get to see how they uh, play out. Uh, but, you know, uh, tell me why you choose to continue to buy those dips. Um, yeah, what, what, what is that about? 
Hey, so uh, yeah, so yeah, the reason why I'm um, you know buying these dips is you know that that's my game, and that's also how I'm hedging, right? So I'm taking both sides of the tech trade. I'm taking the short side, but I'm taking the long side on the stuff that's already been destroyed. You know, mid and small caps are down, and they've been down for a very long time, but they're down like eighty to ninety percent. Some of them, you know, and uh, like they have seen most of the damage, and if they don't have any debt and they've got plenty of cash flow and they you know you have there's a good business case that they can keep growing their business then it's a phenomenal opportunity it's 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 actually a life-changing opportunity on the long side in my opinion uh, if you have a if you're able to kind of continue to cost average down in an efficient way and that's why i don't really care about making i don't have to make a lot of money i just need to keep the the value of the fund you know in the portfolio um similar to how this started um and with all of those profits that i'm taking from the shorts i'm then being very selective and picking things that i think are going to do extraordinary um over the next two to three years so and that's why and that's why i'm going long on in those areas but i'm very selective and i'm keeping those short positions quite large so 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 you're the perfect person for me to ask this so i don't know if you heard of jeremy gratham or you read a bit yep. of what he's saying yep. you, you know his he feels the valuations are damn near 40 percent too high um how do you feel about that especially like a person in your position where you're choosing to buy some of these dips um how do you feel about that you know for for the price points where you're buying or are you just taking little nibbles i hate to almost yeah question i mean i'm trying to get it yeah that's right. I mean, I'm not like, you know, uh, from, for, since October, I've been almost exclusively net short, sometimes with a ratio of three to four to one, right? Uh, on, the, on the short side. Um, but uh, like, yeah, I'm just, I, I could continue, I've got the buying power to continue buying for the next three months, you know? Okay. Um, and I also have insurance and we can talk about that later. Um, and then I'm of course shorting like uh, my portfolio is quite correlated with arc. So I can mm. always use that as a very easy hedge. Um, and then you've got, you know, Uvixi options and, and equities at times when it seems appropriate in these volatile moments. Um, and you, and, and, and we talked about this in depth in the last podcast and, you know, this is, this remains our thesis, but, you know, money has to shrink. And, you know, in a lot of areas it has. Equities have shrank, assets have shrank in many areas. You look at crypto, you look at growth stocks, you know, you even look at the big cap stuff now and it, and it has been hit. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's one of those things where um, prices are becoming, um, they're getting interesting, especially as we know the loose monetary policy will likely come back after this problem kind of gets to a climax. And, and I find that to be so interesting because, you know, like how we, we say like, oh man, they got to raise these rates, but very possible that you get loose monetary policy all over again. And you, yeah. you start to I mean, see these super bubbles, these super cycles of bubbles. Yeah. It's the, it's the playbook, right? It's like, it's, and it's all it is, is a uh, liquid liquidity and, and, and productivity and I wrote a memo uh, a memo on this at the beginning of the year after going short saying look in this time in the market liquidity and you need to protect um, well or look for productivity 
And that's why I can get bullish because I can say, oh, well, you know what? Square is actually probably still going to grow considerably, um, you know, uh, and I can start actually, you know, at under $100, think really seriously about like building quite a large position. Okay. Hey, and I even learn something new every day. Uh, and I'm excited to actually even implement some of what you are talking about. Um, I, I, the other part where you can even see your concept holds true, uh, especially when we were speaking about China before and we were in those um, emerging markets, China goes and tightens its economy to the point where lending becomes hard only for it to trigger an issue for them to start the whole debt cycle all over again so that they could service dollar denominated uh, debts that were taken out by Chinese companies. Uh, in case that was too fast for some people who are listening, you just have to understand that what Charlie's talking about, about buying those dips and then feeling that the super cycle comes right back, uh, especially for those, th those names that do have some growth to them. Uh, in China, there was a very specific situation that uh, came after you had these Evergrande defaults as well as other Chinese real estate is that you needed to now service debt in dollars um, at the time for this 10, 12 year cycle uh, of this debt cycle that we had in, in the US that helped catapult this, uh, this tremendous 2020 and 2021, um, rates in the US hadn't changed much. Um, so it made the US dollar weak. Rates were low for a prolonged period of time. If rates are low, the US dollar is weak. So we got to a situation where a lot of foreign countries started taking out their loans in US dollars, meaning that they would pay back the uh, principal and interest in US dollars. It was to their favor because their money was starting to become stronger than ours or just from an exchange rate, um, you know, more advantageous to own uh, the foreign currency only until we decided we started tightening our currency, um, trying to deflate, making money smaller, as Charlie said, uh, to then inflicting an issue where the Chinese government makes it harder for you to borrow, then those same people, it's harder for them to pay U.S. denominated debt because that debt has now become more expensive because to exchange your currency for a dollar has become more expensive. Uh, this is very important stuff. It, it, it's, a, it's a tricky concept to understand because the average person has never taken out a, a, a loan in a foreign currency but that is what's happening here. And that's what it was an, uh, an accelerant that caused a lot of those bankruptcies, causing another super cycle, no different than we would end up starting another super cycle on our end. So Charlie is very spot on. And uh, I, I look forward to actually exploring, uh, buying more of the dips as he's talking about, because I've been so uh, against the long side for quite some time. If you just follow what I've been speaking about, I've, I've slowly gone from, uh, uh, what do you call it? 60-40 uh, on the long side for 60 all the way down to uh, 30 on the uh, long side, 70 on the short side. So, you know, a, a very interesting perspective uh, on Charlie's part. Uh, but Charlie, there was another thing um, as we were discussing through the week. Uh, we were speaking about how what is to come or, or this is maybe just the first chapter of this uh, Russia U.S. Ukraine whole debacle and and how it's affecting markets. You know, as you were saying, it's chapter one. What do you what do you actually like see with that? It's an interesting. Yeah, it's a, it's a very it, it's it's kind of nuanced, and uh, you kind of hope that it doesn't come to this because it would be much easier. But like the best case scenario for the market is that you know um, 
they managed to somehow solve this diplomatically now, uh, or with force if they had to. But that has that that would be terrible. Um, uh, and then the Fed can continue can raise rates on time and not kick the can because if they kick the can, all hell's going to break loose because uh, Wall Street wants them to raise rates. But uh, regarding the uh, the Russia Ukraine thing is, you know, you don't you don't uh, march almost two hundred thousand troops to the edge of your border to um, to go back home with nothing. True. To mobilize um, others is a lot of planning. Yeah. And and I don't fully understand the end goal. I don't claim to understand the end goal of what Russia really wants from this. All I know is that it does seem that, you know, almost like a mutually assured destruction for, on Russia's part. You know, like there's, they don't care. They, they believe the damage will be worse for Europe, well, the US specifically, but it will, it will, it will manifest itself through Europe. So Europe will suffer which will then in turn mean the U.S. suffers um, and, it, and it can create a, a real issue. And obviously, where, where are people going to go? You know, yeah, um, yeah where, where, where are you going to go to to be safe in this, in this you know? Um, so that, that's the interesting thing to see is, um, is, uh, is it, es- it going to escalate? Is it going to escalate over weekends? You know, this all started on President's Day. You know, this isn't done randomly. This is this has been planned out methodically. You know, you don't you don't just you're not just flying planes over the country randomly and uh, just shooting randomly. You're, there's a there's someone's planned this. You know, that's their job. Their job is actually to strategize. Yes, it's been planned for months. I mean, you know, we, we were referencing the fact that no one was looking to rock the boat when it was pandemic time, and now that yep. we're on the backside of the pandemic, and I wouldn't say backside in terms of like nothing else, you know, we don't have anything going on, because like you were saying in New Zealand, you're just catching Omicron. But what I'm, what I am saying is that, you know, the nefarious ones are starting to peek their head out and say, all right, what can I do out here? Where can I stake my claim? And uh, this has been planned. Um, There's no other way. And this does, even though Russia are okay selling stuff uh, below spot, um, this does drive the price of oil, you know, yes. and, it, and it puts it puts Europe in a really strange situation where they they have to decide to take the moral high ground, or um, the cost of living is going to go crazy. Absolutely wild. Uh, <laughs> I'm waiting to see what people, how people react when June gets here in the states because. We all, we often forget the U.S. is an exporter. The the companies that do horizontal drilling, fracking, and all that stuff are overjoyed right now because they have felt pressure for the last two years on these oil prices and the, the ability to service debt. And right now, I am sure they are trying to refine. It's actually, Charlie, we need to go and look into some of uh, these oil drillers in the U.S. market and see um, what's happening there as we're on the 10, 10-year curve of uh, a lot of corporate debt that's maturing in 2023, 2024. Let's see who out there um, has some issues 
and can probably soon refinance. We might want to grab some of those uh, undervalued right. assets. Nice. That sounds interesting. Yeah, because yeah, you know, they're, they're, think... they're getting a nice bag right now. <laughs> Yeah, and I also think there's an opportunity with the oil tankers because the oil tankers, uh, there's going to be disruption with oil again. Uh, to a lot of demand, not a lot of supply, uh, and obviously people having to rearrange where the oil is coming from or where energy is coming from. So, you know, the tankers could also uh, catch a bid on this. Um, and obviously we've already been in oil um, and the commodities for some time. Um, yeah. No, it's a, so, yeah, it's definitely chapter one. Uh, you know, we kind of hope that it's a chapter two, see it like series, two chapters only, um, but it could be quite drawn out. Um, well, you know, and to, it could, could get ferocious quickly. To my, to kind of my final points on my end is, um, and, and I hope anyone listening to this marks this, uh, it is truly to my belief that um, as Russia is even aware of undercutting spot prices, they're they're aware of uh, the instability to uh, global markets they cause when they do military actions. I, I, it is highly to, to uh, my thought that there will be military action taking place over the weekend for a Monday open that should be very volatile. So I not recommending to anyone else, but from my experiences, I'm choosing to be short going into the weekend. Uh, I, I just think if this has been planned like you were talking about. You don't mobilize that many troops, 200,000 troops to a border. Um, and and it's been thought out. And, you know, what do they care? They sell it at 80, sell it at 85, sell it at 90. They're making money. R Russia drills it out of the ground at about 35. They're fine. Yep, that's right. That is right. So, um, yeah, I mean, my, my final points on it would be obviously regarding the Fed uh, and how the Fed has to... Because people have now all of a sudden forgotten about the Fed and it's all about Ukraine-Russia. The, <laughs> right, right. uh, the real elephant in the room has always been inflation. And then the, the, rhino that's the white rhino that's charging towards you is actually the, uh, the possibility of stagflation. And, and stagflation is where you get inflation, but a slowing economy. And that is the worst thing that can happen. Because you, and this is why I, I feel relatively comfortable buying dips is, you know, you have a market that's built on debt and it, and it operates completely on, on, on being levered and it's going to happen again, but uh, there has to be a repricing first. So the worst thing that can happen is stagflation. And, and what you could see there is if this does draw out and, you know, um, you get 120 to $150 a barrel oil, then you're looking at, you know, you're looking at stagflation, potentially people aren't going to spend as much. People aren't going to go as, as many places. They're not going to buy the new iPhone. They're going to be, uh, you know, generally more pessimistic for a time until this gets resolved. Um, and it could get resolved very quickly once the pain of the, of the everyday people is felt, because then you're going to get, you know, then you're going to get people protesting and then you get people just, then you know what I mean? So, uh, you know, Russia can't, keep this up forever there's a window here where they can create chaos and it's very important that the u.s deals with this at, uh, very well from a from the a government level and then obviously from a federal reserve standpoint you know they have to just go ahead with the plan that they have and if they don't they could cause massive issue and um if you get stagflation you also have a absolutely uh, devastating outcome potentially for uh, risk on assets 
Well, my goodness, very, very well, well thought out. I think, you know, the thesis that we have uh, presented holds strong. And I think um, in this next week, we will be able to see how they play out. Maybe not everything with, uh, you know, uh, monetary policy in terms of rates, but within the next few weeks, they have to play out because there's a meeting coming in October. I mean, not October, March. Well, you get the, you're going to get the yeah. C, you're going to get the CPI for February when you've had this huge jump in oil prices. Um, the February CPI is going to be lit. Mm. <laughs> it's yes. going to, it's going to be eight. It's probably going to be 8%. Easy. Easy. I don't even think it'll be a stretch to get to eight. Yeah. I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, you know, with all the down pressure on top of it for people being able to even buy stuff, crying about the grocery store every moment on, on any yep. social media outlet that they can. So it, it, it's here. Um, yep. You know, Charlie, yeah, I, I, I really appreciate you. You know, we, we try to, we're trying to keep the episode short for you guys. I know yep. some people will, will find sometimes it can get too long, but when Charlie and I start to talk, we really uh, begin to wax poetic about the markets and expound. Um, I thank everyone for tuning into this episode of Trade Talk. I didn't want to cut you off, Charlie. I just wanted to make sure you That's know good. people people actually get into and yep. you know pay attention to everything that we want to Great. say. Um, but you obviously know you're going to hear from Charlie again. We have we are four episodes deep with Charlie, and he continues to outperform and show his expertise. I'm very proud of him, and I always thank you again, Charlie, for uh, coming on to the platform. Uh, we look forward till next time. Uh, this is Trade Talk with La Echo. Take care. Good night. Thanks, Charlie.